You are listening to the Harvest Church Roundtable Podcast. Each week, our pastors will be sharing their wisdom and hearing various perspectives from our staff and our leadership teaching. We are currently following the 21 Most Powerful Minutes in a Leader's Day by John C. Maxwell. Thank you so much for joining us. Now let's listen in. Good morning, everybody. Um, It's another beautiful Tuesday morning for our Leadership Roundtable here at Harvest Church. Um, so thankful that we have a team that can speak into the content so that, uh, if you want to you can share this with your staff or anybody that you feel could be benefited. And, uh, we always release this to our total flow chart leadership and teams, and then also our RMI, re, uh, Southeast regional, uh, leaders that we oversee on behalf of the Higgins. So we're going to jump right in, right into our message for today and if you have a question um joseph just man the uh comments and just let me know that uh someone's raised their hand because i i can't see anybody on screen today for some reason um and then uh just if there's any questions or input in the staff let me know all right let's go ahead and pray father we thank you again for the privilege of coming together and in, in Proverbs, it talks about how iron sharpens iron. Father, we want to thank you for all that you're doing in our life, all that you have done, all that you are doing, all that you will do in the days to come. And, and Father, give us utterance today. I thank you for the giftings you've placed on the inside of all of us. That is absolutely necessary, but we're here to sharpen them. We're here to develop in them. We're here to learn so we can be better leaders. And God, so that if someone's on my team, they're glad to be on my team because of the way I lead. And as we move forward, uh, we thank you for the mandate you've given us and the mandates you will give us in the days to come. And I thank you for a culture of leadership development. So we yield to you, Father, give us utterance and what needs to be said. And we thank you for it now in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, we're gonna we're gonna jump into uh, the teaching that we've actually done for a couple couple times topic anyway, and um, and they um, this topic is so so very important, and which is a leader's first victory is over uh, him or herself. And let's go right into the scripture. First Corinthians 9, 24 through 27. Joseph, will you read that? Okay, we're on page 251. Do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may obtain it. And everyone who competes for the prize is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain the perishable crown, but we do it for an imperishable crown. Therefore, I run thus, not with uncertainty. Thus I fight, not as one who beats the air, but I discipline my body and bring it into subjection, lest when I preach to others, I myself should become disqualified. Yeah, there's so many nuggets in in that particular scripture. You know, that basically tells us just because we're gifted doesn't mean we make it uh, with character. 
and the internal part of all of us leading ourselves. But everybody loves to win. There's nothing like a victory and the celebration that follows. And I, when I recount my uh, sports days way back, <laughs> I'm not living in my past, I promise. Um, but I, I, I've tried to think about a team that I was on that didn't have a winning record. And I really can't think about that. And so there's characteristics that we're going to cover here that uh, w will allow us to have uh, winning teams and um, at our supply so that it can be a winning team. So uh, we like receiving the winner's prize. It's a mark of achievement. And um, there's a danger of focusing on the prize, though. And we may come to think that victory is something occurs um, that only occurs outside. It's not. Wing is an inside job. The trophy or the medal is acknowledgement and an acknowledgement of the victory that's inside. Paul focused in um, this passage, First Corinthians. He talks about the way that we train. He talks about the way that we run. He didn't talk about the prize. So the team that achieves victory is the one comprised of individuals who first win their internal battles. And as a leader, uh, obviously, you know, my question to you all is, and just um, speak up, turn your mic on if you'd like to give some input, but what is an internal battle? I'll start it off. To me, an internal battle is one that no one sees you fighting, um, <clears throat> but you're, you're engaged in battle. Now, what kind of things are an internal battle? Anybody have any input on that? Fear and anxiety. Yeah, fear, anxiety. Criticism. You can speak up. Criticism. Yeah, criticism. Insecurity, you know, if, if we don't win the internal battles, it will eventually show up outwardly. You know, the word says, be sure of this thing, your sin, it's going to find you out. That's that's a sobering word, but, it, you know, uh, God plan, plans on taking care of things <clears throat> inside um, and, and privately. Uh, so that things don't have to become publicly and and really uh, hurt people's lives. So it's an internal battle. And uh, the first person on any team who must face and win these internal battles is the leader. Whether he or she happens to be a coach, parent, employer, pastor, team captain, entrepreneur, uh, you name it, we've got to win. And we got to win every day. Again, that speaks to character development, but character continual development. <clears throat> so achieving a personal victory is what we're going to talk about here now. How does a leader go about seeking the first to have victory over themselves? Shall, uh, you guys go ahead and speak it out. Um, your first thought on these types of things. How, how do we gain the victory over ourselves? Be teachable. Yep. 
So we, we can see, as we've been taught over the past, what it requires and consider what Josiah did and how he conquered himself first to gain some insight. And uh, number one, he remained open and teachable. I'm going to go ahead and, and um, sort of, I don't want to say rush through this, but I'm going to have to go ahead and get this lesson done in an efficient manner because we've got an appointment unexpected. So, um, Joseph, if I do not, if I'm not able to finish this, um, you, you can bring it on in wherever we stop. Okay. Yes, sir. All right. So number one, he remained open. He remained teachable. What's, what did I just define? Teachable. Humility. Humility. Thank you. Unteachable leaders never win. Never. Unteachable kids never win. Unteachable team members probably won't make the team. Uh, unteachable superstars. Um, I remember in high school where, where this, this particular guy I'm thinking about, he was, he was, um, highly recruited. He, he was, I mean, he, he, he ran a four, four and he was like, that's 40 yard dash a four, four. And he was like, six foot two, 250 pounds. And he was a running back. It was crazy. But anyway, he had an attitude and our head coach addressed it. It never changed. And so therefore he, he was removed from the team. So that's, that's a big lesson that we need to remain teachable, willing to learn, open to change, put, Put yourself in a position to win your battles. And even people with a strong track record and past wins need to remain teachable if they want to keep winning. And that was the secret of UCLA uh, basketball coach, John Wooden. And um, John Wooden, if you don't know, in the course of like 27 years, he won 10 national championships and his record uh, in basketball was 620 and 147 620 wins 147 losses that's just amazing and he he wrote a book called the success journey and after having uh one multitude of championships he was open to change do you hear that he was open to change and and my wife and i were talking about this uh yesterday um you know some leaders have to be replaced because they've stopped changing and, and so the, the, the way we need to do ministry or the way we need to do business uh, is not continually being reinvented, uh, refreshed, uh, staying current. And, uh, you know, as a pastor or in the ministry, we, we obviously know that um, the word and the spirit come first. We never will compromise that. Well, Joseph, did you just hear that? You got it from here, buddy. All right. All right, guys, have a great day. The same kind of openness and teachability can be seen in Josiah. We learn from scripture that in the eighth year of his reign, while he was still young, he began to seek the God of his father, David. As a 16 year old, instead of trying to convince everyone that he had already knew it all, as most teenagers do, he humbled himself. He departed from the ways of his arrogant father and he sought God. It takes teachability to win internal battles. 
if you desire to win the first battle with yourself, then you need to possess that quality too. And I think um, I wasn't expecting to to go through this today, but I guess I'll just interject whatever comes to my mind. Um, especially what Dad was saying about that guy that he knew in high school. It really doesn't matter how much um, potential that you're born with. Um, anybody can be born at the flip of a coin and have these amazing physical attributes. What really matters is how you discipline yourself, how you restrain yourself to walk in spirit and not fulfill the lust of the flesh. And that's a choice. Yeah. And uh, at the beginning, it's a very hard choice because you're not used to used to doing that. Um, really being faithful to God and what he's called you to do is a habit. I feel like some of us, I'm not saying in this room, but I just, in human nature, um, it's almost scary to deny yourself because you want to think that you're good. Yeah. But um, in the end, and yeah. even what scripture teaches us is that we're selfish mm -hmm. by human nature. Yeah. We, we tend to just do what's right in our own eyes. And until we discipline ourselves and, and hone our potential, um, we're really just going to bring more destruction into the world if we just choose our own wisdom. So that's just something that we need to do every day. It's a choice every single day to, again, deny yourself and to choose God's wisdom over ours. We're, we're in Kings right now, in Rachel are. And it's amazing to see how many of these kings had such great potential at the yeah. beginning. And it's easy to start, you know, it's easy to start well um, serving God. It's easy to um, make the right decisions at the beginning, especially when God is thoroughly blessing you. But then once you have all these blessings around you, it's easy to get a big head, <laughs> uh, get a big head about yourself. Um, so anyway, that's just where we all just need to stay humble no matter where we are. We've never arrived. We're just, we're going to keep going. And y'all can interject if you have anything. You guys good? When you were talking about the, making a choice, I thought that was, it's so powerful. And I think that for me, as I'm listening to that, I think the first time you have to make that choice is crucial to all the other times that follow. Mm -hmm. Because that is at the moment where you really have to recognize that maybe I don't know everything. I don't know everything. And I've got to allow, only because I'm looking to you, like Hannah to come up and say, Tina, like, here, like, you need to know, you need to know about this. Or mm -hmm. maybe, you know, just present something I didn't know. And your human nature makes you feel like that's a sign of weakness. Like right. You should know. Mm -hmm. When in reality, every person, honestly, if they were honest, would say, I don't know everything. Mm -hmm. um, and it's a false expectation to feel like that you must know everything. Mm -hmm. But um, when you were talking about with the kings, when you're put in positions and people are looking up to you and they're talking to you, you can get that false sense of pride that you are supposed to be the expert. Mm -hmm. And then you lose that ability to be teachable again or to be humble. So for me, just listen to you that I think about the first time you make that choice to say, I'm going to just suck it up. I'm going to take this feedback. I'm going to be teachable. And then if you continue along, it gets better. And then you begin to realize there's power in that. Mm -hmm. And that you don't have to be the expert because you got people around you who are speaking into your blind side constantly. Mm -hmm. And it becomes a good thing. Mm -hmm. 
But I, for me, I just uh, when, when you first do it, the enemy tries to make you think it is the worst thing you could possibly do. Like they're yeah. going to think less of you, mm-hmm. and that's really not the case. Yeah, I would say um, discipline doesn't get easier over time. It's just you see the results of your discipline, and you like those results because mm-hmm. it's always going to be a battle to deny what you want. Mm-hmm. Um, I was just thinking. Um, yeah, that, that's how faith actually grows. Yeah. Uh, faith can be conflated to this just religious word that doesn't really mean anything except you believe in God and it's it's nice and cheery. But what faith actually is, is a, it's a relational term. Mm-hmm. It's I know God's character and I know what he wants for me and it's only good. So I'm going to follow after what he wants because I know that's going to be the best end result. Nice. That's what faith is mm-hmm. and that's what the end result of discipline is, is seeing the faithfulness of God. I think that goes to a point that I was thinking about listening to you all. And, you know, we've been trained so much on a reward system, mm-hmm. even from kids. If they do something well, you give them this, you know, to, to reward their, their obedience and to do these things. And it's, and that's, I believe it's healthy. Mm-hmm. However, I believe that we may have, have this idea of this reward system when it comes to faith and there are there are good things that come from obedience however if we get into this thought that my my obedience is going to bring me all these things that i want right. mm-hmm. it makes it really easy to fall out of humility when you get into those places of blessing mm-hmm. and so to your point is that if our reward if we could really humble ourselves and it's so simple like the gospel is simple we mess it up but if we if we uh, complicate it, I should say, and I believe that if our reward, if we really truly believe that the reward of our obedience is just Jesus, yeah, and that's it. Like He is the reason why we have faith. He's the reason we're believing for whatever those specific things are in our areas of ministry. It's just Jesus. And then when we have an influx of growth, we don't we don't pull back from our disciplines or our obedience because it's still Jesus. And in those moments when we're not seeing the growth, mm-hmm. we don't strive more within ourselves because the result is still Jesus, mm-hmm. and it helps balance. He is the ultimate equalizer. Yeah. Jesus is. Mm-hmm. So that I think that's really clear when you're. We read Paul saying he's striving towards the crown. Yeah. Um, and his crown in his day was being in prison. <laughs> right. You know, so like I think there's a problem with the phrase like God has an awesome plan for your life, and that's true. If you have the right perspective, because when you're unsaved and you hear God has a great plan for my life, God's going to make me rich. He's right. going to make me successful. He's going to blah, 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 do, do all those things that I want for me when really it's you're striving towards the high mark of the calling, which is Christ and being in his presence. And that's really all you need. Yeah. Of course, God, you know, God provides for us and he blesses us. But that's if we seek the kingdom first that's and right. then all these things are added to us. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not saying that God doesn't want to take care of us, but if our first desire mm-hmm. is that mine and ours is good, um, I'm going to get my bag <laughs> kind of thing, uh, because Jesus is going to give me my bag, um, that's just not the right, the right mind frame to go into relationship. I'm not going to, I'm going to actually, <laughs> uh, to avoid having uh, a fourth part in this chapter, because we've actually been in the same chapter for like three weeks now. Um, I'm going to go forward, even though I love this.
this conversation. Um, so number two, he removed obstacles carried forward from the past. All leaders have to deal with baggage. It's inescapable. If a leader takes over an organization following another leader, he inherits problems. The leaders who found their own organizations bring personal baggage from the past into play. One way or another, a leader has to win battles involving past problems. For Josiah, a major battle involved was idol worship. Since the time of King Solomon, the worship of other gods had been a stumbling block for the Jews. Josiah realized that and decided to do something about it. He swept the country clean of idols. He took incredible courage. At only 20 years old, he was fighting against more than 300 years of tradition and willful dis disobedience against God, not only by the people, but also by all the kings of Israel and Judah. As you seek to achieve victory in your organization, you will face and overcome problems that were created in the past. I think just to stop there, um, it'd be easy in, in that sort of environment where you just put onto a pedestal and all those past problems are yours now. It's easy to say, why me? You know, mm -hmm. like, why did I have to um, be put into power with all these problems? I'm so unlucky. But at the same moment, God wants you to be an agent of change because there's no there's no perfect situation that we can be put in when it comes to leadership. Um, with people involved, there's always going to be a snag or there's going to be uh, something inherited that isn't totally right. Um, and I'm not saying like, oh, other people are so bad. I'm just saying, you know, we we bring uh, that kind of environment forward with us as well. If we don't get ourselves right. And that, that's where... Um, where much is given, much is required. And that's sobering that if we're leading others, we need to make very, very sure uh, that we're reading, we're leading them in the right direction, not for any uh, ulterior motive. Really it's, um, if we lead, we need to lead out of, I'm leading so that other people can grow. I'm leading for the well-being of others. And if I'm doing this for my own promotion, uh, that's a heart check right there. Everything starts at the heart. As you seek to achieve victory in your organization, you will face and overcome problems that were created in the past. They may be traditions to which the people cling despite their ineffectiveness. They may be poor players on the team who need to be released. They may be errors in judgment made by your predecessors. They may involve past sins that remain unrepented. Whatever they are, you must find the courage inside yourself to face and resolve them. Number three. Uh, actually, before moving on, do you guys have any comments about that? I say you can't just ignore things and hope they go away. Like you have mm -hmm. to deal with them. Like problems just don't disappear on their own. Mm -hmm. And if you as a leader are going to just hide them or feel ashamed of them or just be like, I just don't have time for this. And it's just going to keep being passed on to the next generation. So you've actually got to face them. The word I hear in all this is accountability. accountability. Somebody has to take accountability. Sometimes you're taking accountability for things that aren't even yours. Yeah. Yeah. Somebody like he did has to stand up and say, OK, 
I can't worry about who created the problem. I have to be accountable now. Sure. Mm -hmm. right. That's good. Take it forward. Mm -hmm. That's really good. Right here, accountability and stewardship. Yeah. Yeah. Same thing with uh, Adam being given the garden. He could have said, God, why did you allow the snake into the garden? When Adam had the authority to kick the snake out whenever he started questioning God's word, there's always going to be a snake in the garden. <laughs> and there's always going to be a choice yeah. to uh, follow after that wisdom or to be focused on the problem rather than focus on the authority that God's given us in the first place. Yeah, and I think, um, you know, even speaking personally, being on teams before where you felt what other people felt before you be became a leader, Yeah, mm -hmm. that's huge because that's, for me, it's like from feeling what other people on my team felt with them uh -huh. and experiencing things of, okay, this is not how, not judging anybody, but this is not how I want to lead because I know how that made me feel. Mm -hmm. yeah. And then this is something that I would want to get better at when I lead. Um, because for me, whenever I, you know, stepped into leadership about four years ago, um, it was unexpected for me of like, Lord, I don't, are you sure it's time now? Because I wasn't expecting it, you know, and um, it was because of the faithfulness proven for over 10 years yeah. of um being behind the scenes and, mm -hmm. and not asking for it, not looking for it. But then when I did get into position, I was kind of handed past problems. Like Julie said, like, regardless, like, you know, you've got to fix it no matter what. And of course, like, there's always personal that like, you know, you need to make sure that you're right with God, you know, mm -hmm. personally, but there's some things like God, you know, I couldn't get in my mind of like, I was young, female, and then like also making sure things are multicultural. And what I was handed was more bent a certain culture. Mm -hmm. So changing all that you can't do overnight either. <laughs> and you've got to do little by little where you're developing relationship with the people on your team, mm -hmm. with the different cultures, with the different ages, yeah. with the hard workers yeah. and the people you've seen steady with you. Yeah. Um, I think the huge thing, the humility comes when you've done what they've done for years and you've proven and proven and then when you're you're stepping into leadership, it's we're talking about past things of somebody that passed along to you and also for mm -hmm. yourself that you kind of have to make sure you're in humility going forward of all right, Lord. First of all, ask him, like, if this is what you want me to do, let me know. Yeah. If he says yes. All right, God, I submit to you. I'm accountable. And, and then like Latina was saying earlier, having your team help you grow, because even with me, I pull on the people who were older than me to learn from them. Mm -hmm. Or like get different race perspectives of like, hey, how can we be balanced this way? Because everybody, if you're not careful, can have a bent. Yeah. And so I, I don't think I'm because I've been under leadership before mm -hmm. where they thought they even knew what was multicultural, but they bent towards their culture. Like, no, I know what other cultures want. I'm like, but how you ask them? Mm -hmm. They didn't. Right. They didn't talk to them. They didn't listen. Yeah. And you have to listen yeah. and be quiet sometimes. Yeah. And so for me, I'm like, OK, I learned from that. Let me actually ask other cultures yes. and listen yeah. yes. and actually implement it and not just think I can go on autopilot. Oh, I know what other cultures think. I know what other, you know, we just have to have that humility. So. And when, when you're sitting under leadership that especially leadership that you don't agree with some of the time, it's easy to be sitting there as somebody who should be a servant and say, oh, I have a million 
great ideas that will fix this entire thing. Yeah. Yeah. And if I ever get power, I'm going to make all those changes and I'm going to fix everything and I'm going to bring whatever forward and I'm going to make it more successful than it's ever been. We, we've actually been on this topic. We've been erring more on the side of you, you need to be confident and be the, the, the change that God wants you to be in your situation. But sometimes we want the power a little bit too much where yeah. we get into that position of power we're like, I'm making all these changes. I don't care what anybody thinks about it. And uh, that you'll... You won't have a team. You won't have a team. Yeah. <laughs> you won't have a team. Be by yourself. <laughs>